You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's continue the analysis of Monday Night Football. It's a Baltimore victory last night over the Texans. Always great to focus on football in Houston with our friend John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network, Texans team channel here on TuneIn. John just got back from Baltimore, a long trip across the country. So we appreciate you being a road warrior. John, since you're on the sideline, had a great perspective beyond the numbers. How would you sum up Tom Savage's game against a tough Ravens defense? Three more turnovers for Houston's quarterback last night. Yeah, Brian, I think it's missed opportunities. Uh, it, you know, when I walked out of the stadium last night, I just felt like they, I don't want to say they blew it, but I, I just felt like the opportunity was there to win the ball game. And they started off so well. I mean, the first quarter, they pretty much dominated what Baltimore was doing. And then Baltimore ran the fake punt, and everything changed. And that was just enough to kind of get the the Ravens' offense going. And it sort of woke up the Ravens' defense, too. But you turn the ball over against that group, look, they've got 20, I think it's 26 turnovers forced now, or 26 takeaways this year. I mean, that's you're talking about over two a game. I mean, that's an amazing number. Um, and it's a great defense in and of itself, but then you tack on 26 takeaways. And that, that was the difference last night. That, punt, that fake punt was kind of the ignition switch for the Ravens and the, the turnovers. I mean, take your pick, the strip sack, and when it came, I mean, the second interception. I mean, it was just a, it was a, it was a horrible throw by Tom, and he knows it. He said it afterwards. He, it was, he had just thrown that same route to CJ to different coverage, and they had a different coverage on, and he decided to say, throw the same exact throw when he should have thrown a back shoulder if he's going to go uh, up the seam on that one. And he did, got picked off, and I think it was just a missed opportunity because when, when he was back there and protected, he threw well. When they pressured him, he created under the pressure, and it's, it was just a rough, rough night in, in Baltimore when that game was really right there for the taking. John, when you look at Whitney Merciless and also J.J. Watt not being in, and you have Jadavion Clowney, who's playing one of, let's just say, some of the best football of his career so far, they're kind of having him in those hybrid positions. He's just not coming off the edge. They're doing stunts. And and I think that's why you're probably seeing the success coming from him so much. Give me your take on his upside, even though I know everything is tough on the offensive side of the football. Uh, Give me your take on just Jadavion Clowney and what they're asking him to do without having those two pro bowlers in the mix. Correll, I think his his upside is through the roof. I think he is just now tapping into what he really can do. He's so strong. He's so physical. And I talked to uh, one of the Cardinals uh, coaches last week when the Cardinals were in town, and he used a good word. He said he's slippery. And when you see Jadavion, you don't look at him and go, ooh, he's slippery like an eel. You don't think that way, but that's kind of what he does. When he's got that inside move, he's so quick. And he darts one way and then slips inside. He's so quick, but he's so powerful, too. And the sack, I thought, was a perfect example of what you're talking about, Cordell, and how Mike Rabel moves him around. The left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, had gone out of the game, and so they bumped James Hurst from guard to tackle. They brought in Luke Boanko, and Clowney lined up right over him. And then he whipped him, and the center went over to help, but he whipped the center, and then he tackled Joe Flacco for a sack. I mean, he's... He really, in his fourth year, is starting to show exactly why he was the number one pick. But the thing is, as the, as the number one pick coming out of South Carolina, he's so raw. Now you're seeing the raw being developed. And I think that's the scary part. 
because people thought, man, when this guy develops, what's he going to look like? Well, he's going to look like this. And, you know, our uh, the voice of Texas, Mark Vandermeer, has mentioned, you know, he should be in conversation for defensive player of the year. Now, he's not going to get it because the Texans are 4-7, and seven, but with what he's done this year, second in the league in tackles for a loss, he's got nine sacks through 11 games. He's become the, the, the tour de force, if you will, for this defense. And when Whitney and J.J. come back next year, I think it's going to look a little different for them because it's going to be a defense that – that needs to feature Jadeveon Clowney going forward. And not to say that the three can't all work together, but it needs to be a defense that really features number 90, I think, in the future. Joining John Harris, sideline analyst, Texans Radio Network, Texans team channel here on TuneIn. John, last night DeAndre Hopkins made a very good cornerback in Jimmy Smith of the Ravens look bad. We know about the talent of Hopkins. That's evident on the field. What can you tell us about his work ethic? Because I've read he's a real grinder. He is, absolutely. And I thought it was – I saw him after the first touchdown. He came off the sideline, and a lot of times he tries, you know, he tries to find me like if there's a replay review, he wants to know what I know. Did I catch that? Did not get my feet down? And so he's coming off the field. He looked at me, and he kind of turned, and he kind of pointed. And his jersey was ripped from, from the undercarriage on his right side, and it just got worse and worse. It was like old-school – you know, tearaway jersey like Earl Campbell style. And that's what Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carver were doing to him last night. But it didn't phase DeAndre at all. In fact, that's kind of the game that he wants to play. You want to get physical with him, he'll make you pay. But he is he's become a student of the game. He knows this offense backwards and forwards. He knows every single receiver position. You can line up in the slot. You can line him up in a backfield. You can line him up as an X, as a Y, as a Z, as an H, as an F. You can line him at every single position in this offense. He's going to know what that guy's doing, where the ball should go. And the thing is, I see him a lot of times at the line of scrimmage. If you watch him closely enough, you can see him doing stuff with his hands, and he's trying to signal Tom Savage what he sees. And it's single, it's, you know, post-safety coverage. Hey, this should be an opportunity to come to me. He's really good about reading coverages. And in understanding the game, and as he's understood, as he learned the game more, it really has helped him become a much better receiver. But I mean, his ball skills are incredible. Uh, his ability to get off physical jams and press were just amazing. And I went through and I was reading the play-by-play on the play on the way home. And in the third quarter, in as I read, it was on one sheet. It was defensive holding, Jimmy Smith, defensive PI, Jimmy Smith holding Brandon Carr, those are all on Hopkins. So he had only 125 yards receiving, but he had probably another 70 to 75 in defensive pass interference and holding penalties as well. So he was a dominant force tonight. Unfortunately, there was really no running game to go along with it, and I think that was the big issue outside of the turnovers last night for this offense. DeAndre's been looking for a quarterback that can get him the football. And I think just this year alone, starting off with Deshaun Watson, it really created some momentum carrying over to Tom Savage. When you see him playing the way he's playing and knowing that Deshaun Watson is going to come back next year, shouldn't you as a, as a, as a person that's a part of the organization, a teammate, uh, start licking your chops and saying, you know, this tandem between these two and DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, if he hopefully can stay healthy, can really be a combination that should be reckoned with throughout the league? Oh, I don't think there's any question. I think with what we saw when Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins and Sean Watson were all healthy, I mean, think back to the Seattle game, the Tennessee game, 
those two games, those guys were both healthy, and they were tearing it up in those two games, those three guys together, and then Lamar Miller on top of that. So this, this group is just, you know, hopefully will be able to come back this week in a big game at Tennessee um, because he usually has some pretty good games against Tennessee. So this, this team needs it. But I think the one thing, even with all the quarterback upheaval, if you will, most of the quarterbacks, if not all of them, except last year's quarterback, really made it a focus that if I get in trouble, I'm throwing this ball to number 10. I'm going to throw him the ball because I know he's going to make a play on it. I trust him. You know, if I just get it in the vicinity, he's got an opportunity to catch it. And so I think when Tom gets in trouble, he knows, okay, it's third down. I'm throwing this ball to 10 no matter what. And sometimes that does get him in trouble because he'll lock in on DeAndre and there'll be – There'll be, you know, a safety play in a rat or a linebacker floating in around the line of scrimmage that can make a play. But that's such a – it's a luxury to have because you know if he's on the outside. If he's outside the numbers and it's one-on-one, he's going to win. Those aren't 50-50 balls. Those are not 90-10. And then you throw in a healthy Will Fuller. And then you have Lamar Miller. Uh, and then you throw in a healthy Deshaun Watson. The game changes in 2018 going forward. problem is, you still got five more games left in 2017, and he's already strung together in a fantastic season uh, DeAndre Hopkins has here in Houston. John, I don't have to play my traditional Stanford card because John Gruden was doing it in detail last night on ESPN. Brennan Scarlett played at Cal before transferring to Stanford as a grad student. What kind of impact is he having on this defense with more playing time now? Well, I think – you could see it early on, Brian. He had a couple of big tackles for a loss. I mean, he chased down Alex Collins on the throw of the flat. I, will, I thought, wow. You know, coming from a guy that when he transferred over to Stanford, he actually played a three technique. He played a defensive tackle uh, for, for them at times. And he's out here playing outside linebacker. And I think what you see with Brent Scarlett, you're like, okay, you start taking it for granted a little bit. Well, then he came out of the lineup dealing with a little bit of a foot issue, and I hope he's going to be okay. But he came out of the lineup, didn't play in the second half, and that's when the Ravens started getting some big plays to the outside where outside linebackers were supposed to be where Scarlett would have been, but he wasn't there because he was banged up in the second half. So you really saw the impact of Brendan Scarlett when he was out of the lineup dealing with that injury, and hopefully he'll be able to get back against Tennessee because this team, with all the injuries it's had, Whitney Merciless, an outside linebacker, I mean, it needs to have Brandon Scarlett back. So hopefully he's back because he's come a long way in the two years he's been here. And he has become, with the, with the added playing time and the opportunity, he's really become a factor for this defense. And you saw that last night in the first half before he got hurt. How much hope, John, do you think you guys have when it comes down to how bad the Jacksonville Jaguars have looked because of Blake Bortles. I mean, they've had opportunity to win football games, but I would think him in the in the ending part of games, we saw him against the Chargers, we saw him against the Cardinals. Uh, luckily, they got away with one of the Chargers, but yet against the Cardinals, because of the late interception, end up forcing his team to lose. How, let's say, optimistic are you guys uh, when it comes down to uh, still having an opportunity to be the second-best team within this division, considering the Tennessee Titans actually goes on and win this division? You know, it's interesting, Cordell. We, we, I think it's, it's no secret around the AFC South that most people will tell you, look, if you keep the game close, then you hope that Jacksonville will Bortles it at the end and you know, put the game on his shoulders and That's force nice. him to have to try and Bortles win it. the ball game, yeah. throwing it up and down the field. And, and you hope at that point that he won't be able to do it because he hasn't shown uh, the propensity for doing that. And so that's, kind of, I think, the, the M.O. in facing Jacksonville, that 
you know, look, for a few quarters, he's going to look good. And there are going to be times where he looks really good. And we've seen that over the years. Uh, he'll look really good for a quarter against us. And then the next quarter, he'll throw a pick six and throw a ball off a guy's foot that ends up being interception for us. It's just the inconsistency. And we talked about this actually before the game last night, a bunch of us down on the sideline. What will Jacksonville do next year? If they're going to continue with Blake Bortles, then I think there's a ceiling really on where that team can go. But if they end up going to uh, you know, the quarterback market, be it free agent or in the draft, you know, maybe Jacksonville becomes a pretty interesting player depending on who they're able to pull in. And look, there was a lot of talk about Jacksonville pulling the trigger at number four this year on Deshaun Watson. Well, thank God they didn't do that. I mean, I know they went with Leonard Fournette, but I would think Jacksonville people look at it and say, yeah, we love Fournette, but how would that Deshaun Watson look down in Jacksonville right about now? So, uh, but he's in Houston, and unfortunately he's injured right now. But, you know, they're going to have to make a decision at the end of the year. And, and look, if Jacksonville ends up getting in the playoffs in some way, shape, or form, Maybe that's where it starts turning around for Bortles. I hope it doesn't, but that could be where he starts getting some confidence if he does some good things in the playoffs if Jacksonville's able to get there. John, great information as always. We appreciate you joining us on Zero Sleep. Get some rest, and we'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Absolutely, guys. Appreciate your time. Thank you. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn.